You're listening to Alicast, a deep dive into emerging trends in e-commerce and digital innovation. Brought to you by Alibaba Group, this podcast brings you behind the scenes at one of China's largest companies and offers insights about Chinese consumers and brands doing business in China. I'm Jenny Su, and the host of this Alicast. Jack Ma. The founder of Alibaba has often said, "To be a successful entrepreneur, you have to identify a problem, then come up with an effective solution to address that problem." So, why did I bring this up? Well, that's because our topic today, the Tmall Innovation Center or TMIC, is the perfect illustration of how Alibaba helps brands leverage digital tools, market insights, and analytics to identify their own pain points. And come up with the most effective solution to address their own challenges. To chat with us more about TMIC today is Harvard Business School Executive in Residence Daniel O'Connor. At Harvard Business School, Dan contributes to the project on managing the future work. He passionately pursues research on topics that drive future competitiveness, leadership, and workforce reskilling. Along with Professor William Kerr, he has published a case curriculum around the changing nature of digital commerce and work that leaders can action. Recently, they completed a case study titled "Agile Consumer Product Innovation with Alibaba's Tmall Innovation Center." I'm pleased to welcome Dan to this Alicast. Dan, to start, I want to ask you more about what brought you to Alibaba last year. What got you interested in TMIC, and what were your big takeaways? My interest in in Alibaba and China commerce in general、uh, grows out of the、uh, curriculum that I am、uh, involved in、uh, at Harvard Business School, where we're focusing on the leadership questions around the future of commerce, and. My visiting、uh, Alibaba in general and TMIC specifically was a great opportunity to get a vision of the future. What is present today inside of Alibaba that I believe will come to many parts of the world, and in that respect, it's important topic for all business leaders, everybody managing work in the future, to really understand. One of your expertise is on the future of commerce. Before we talk about future, can you give us a little bit background on what has happened to these big、uh, branded companies and in the global retail market in general? What what are some of the challenges they've been facing, and how can something like TMIC help them to counter these challenges? It's so interesting. Large scale companies like J and J and Unilever and Procter and Gamble; these are sort of collectively known as CPG companies, as you know. Their success is often measured by their ability to grow their business, being super efficient, and delivering return on invested capital. And many of these companies recognize there's big distinctions in rapidly accelerating markets such as China, where their current organization structure and their current go-to-market structure didn't provide the speed and agility to be effective in those markets. You talked about another challenge of facing them is the emergence of these micro brands. Can you tell us a little bit about what these micro brands are and why they are such challenges to these big CPG companies? 
these are companies that are organized by, by geography. Their business model is around manufacturing massive quantities in a very efficient way, keep the cost down. And things like changeover times and small runs, personalization, small brands uh, run against the goal often of efficiency. And the fundamental conflict, as it's well described by a good friend of mine, F.D. Wilder, is he suggests that large CPG companies are much like large farms, large multi-billion dollar operations, and uh, it, leaders inside of these organizations are really not incented to bet the farm. And yet, at the same time, what we're finding is there are gardeners, people running uh, smaller enterprises that are planting lots of seeds, lots of small ideas, looking for a few to sprout, in effect, and really create a point of difference in the marketplace. And that is the emergence of microbrands, which we see outgrowing many of the large-scale brands in markets around the world. Why are they such challenges to these big titans? Well, it's important to recognize that in a large CPG company, the time that's required to develop a new product and the number and types of people that need to engage to approve a product and to move it through to launch is much more complex than what we see in the typical small micro brand, typical company that organizes in a very agile way. In a large CPG company, launching a new product can take 15 or 18 months pretty easily. Sometimes they can version an existing product, change packaging and so on, and do that much more quickly for small amounts of growth, but a truly new idea takes 15 or 18 months. So the work that a CPG has to go through to discover an idea, to design the idea, to qualify it, to get it ready, and to launch it, and to pass through all the milestones that the organization requires is complicated. The process was often complicated uh, simply because it required crunching lots of sales data, conducting consumer surveys, holding focus groups. But the sales data wasn't often linked to specific consumers, for example, or even clusters of consumer. And surveys and focus groups were expensive, time-consuming, and were at a point in time. It wasn't a continuing dialogue with these consumers that were providing the feedback. Today, it's about agility and speed and precision of insight. The agility, the speed, and the precision you mentioned have have really helped these micro brands or smaller players to become formidable foes for these big conglomerates. I wanted to take the conversation to China. What is it about China you think could be a really fertile ground for these micro brands? And about the Chinese consumers, why are they attracted to these micro brands? It's so such a fertile market. The Chinese retail market is widely considered to be a much more integrated, to be much more integrated with the internet and mobile technologies in general than the West. China, more than any other nation, if we think about it, uh, has you know sort of 36 percent or 40 percent of all e-commerce volume is done digitally. It's already a digitized market. While Alibaba, Tencent, and other significant global platforms started in the 90s and 2000s, scaled through the 2000s, as you can see, they've left way ahead of any physical store development in that market. So the consumer is 
undeniably digital and maybe the most digital, rapidly developing market, digitized consumer. No question. How does something like TMIC help these big brands win in this highly competitive market? If you think about being a leader of a what I'll call a large macro brand, a very you know multi-billion-dollar uh, brand, um, their business platform and their approach relies on large populations with common preferences. China tastes, however, I would maintain still are, you know, very local in many categories and consumers with varied tastes, preferences, language. And in that context, uh, these various tastes and preferences are very targetable. And the data and the tools and the platforms to reach these targetable audiences are available through TMIC. What's so critical about TMIC is the scope and the quality of the data sets and the way that uh, brands are able to engage with that data, leverage um, their own internal data at the same time, and come up with a product versioning ideas, new product launch ideas, new packaging ideas, new graphics, and really understand, given the size of the China market, where they can target those specific. What are the value propositions that TMIC bring to its partners? I know that they could build product, but what else can they do? It's really interesting. As I as I understand and have you know come to know TMIC, the ability to simply track the trends, what consumers are doing, not what they're saying, but what their actual behavior is. Let's call that the aspect of TMIC that we'll call the trend observer. That has great value to big and small brands alike. What are consumers in different geographies, different socioeconomic conditions and so on focusing on? The second element is this world of brand creation or product creation. The ability to, in effect, and powerfully to discover population segments that are embracing and at the same time socially shaping your product idea. As an entrepreneur or a product manager um, in, a, in a large or small bait company, the ability of TMIC to connect you with these populations, with these consumers, and to get reasonably fast feedback as you move from product idea to launch. What used to take 18 months and the TMIC model can take six months. Reducing these new product launch cycles by that amount not only reduces the cost, but it increases the probability of a real win. And it's it's based on what consumer behavior, their actual behavior, not on what they say. Oftentimes, products have been built on opinions, not on behavior. The brand co-creator gets you to behavior. And these other value creators inside of TMIC, this notion of simulating a launch, putting up phantom products, these tools are super interesting. And as TMIC evolves and its partners evolve with it, I believe we're going to move into a world where product leaders will be able to create and target a product while at the very same time building an audience, building advocates. And perhaps those will be key opinion leaders 
or just key consumer influencers. But as we build that product idea and we build an audience at the very same time, you're not only changing the product development and launch cycle, but you're shortening significantly the time to scale. And this is the inherent advantage of the TMIC model. Can you tell us a little bit more about what TMIC could do to help companies to become more agile and nimble, especially in China, where the market is evolving so fast? I have to say that one of the great, the great moments in this case that we developed for me was in my visit to your offices, and the light went off when I realized that this was a platform that would allow you to quickly see the possibility and to see where and how to accelerate your business. And we live in a world where the consumer expectation is around speed to ideas, speed to execution. The, T, the TMIC advantage is begins with the data. There's no question, the size of the audience, the quality of the interactions, and the visibility that you get from the data is, is super powerful. It's also powerful because of the analytics that that data can provide. To the degree that as a brand I can see that, that's, that's super helpful. This notion of being a trend observer is obviously powered by data and analytics. Stepping to the next step, however, is where for most CEOs and brand leaders, the light should go off. This is where they should see the change see the opportunity. The notion of building a brand while building an audience, building a customer base, customer advocacy at the same time is a super powerful notion. However, managing that through a matrix organization that was not set up for speed, that was set up for control to cover geographies and to cover product categories is very difficult. TMIC is one of the simuli that I would rely on to demonstrate the change to a CEO and at the same time help them see that micro brands in particular, those that are growing in these very targeted places, leveraging market anomalies and consumer anomalies, for example, this requires smaller, cross-functional teams that are comprised of design, packaging, engineering, product supply, people that are responsible for all aspects of commercializing that particular idea that we see inside of TMIC. It's one project for that team. This is the core, the essence of these agile structures. So as we've seen these transitions, from these generation one retailers to generation two to generation three, and now the model that we're moving in today, what I believe will happen is CEOs with tools like TMIC will see the change and then want to be the change. They will want to lead it. And this is what we saw in the, in the case that we developed with you in examples like Mars, examples like Mondelez, and as you've mentioned to us, uh, the companies, the four or 500 other companies that have engaged with TMIC are 800 brands, you know, Mattel and L'Oreal and P&G and others that have engaged with TMIC. 
these are the kind of pilots, the seeds they plant in their garden that helps them see the change. And that's the stimulus that TMIC can provide. It's great value creation. How is TMIC able to help a company like Mars that is already a global giant? I believe that companies as well-focused and managed as Mars has been and is today. Um, I, I think as the case describes, um, they had nice experiences selling through Tmall and engaging with other parts of Alibaba and entered into a strategic partnership with Alibaba to really fulfill both companies' missions, which is how to better serve these hundreds of millions of consumers. And in the context of Alibaba, what that really meant was this world of merging online and offline, this world of new retail, as it's been well uh, described. And the notion that digital can be integrated with physical and that the retailer and brands can leverage uh, physical outlets, for example, to engage consumers digitally, as well as digital experiences with consumers, leveraging uh, the physical assets of, of and, and merchandising of a company uh, such as Alibaba with their Fresh Hippo store and partnerships with companies like Mars. So in this world that I'm describing, what Mars quickly has realized is that scaling its traditional brands requires consumers to have fairly homogeneic tastes. In countries like China, we know there's great diversity in tastes. And so using Alibaba's sort of targeted, data-driven, targeted marketing, and this notion of building highly you know, personalized or modified products for those consumers provided in the early days some great feedback, some great results. And then I think, as we all know, in the case memorializes, Mars moved on and began to create truly custom products, truly distinctive products, such as their spicy um, Snickers. And it's so interesting because while 90% of innovation often fails, uh, and not only does it take a long time, it costs <laughs> a lot of money, but 90% of it fails. What we learned through, what Mars learned through the Spicy Snickers initiative is that they were able to not only be faster to market, but they were actually able to bring down their failure rate. As I recall, the ratings and reviews that they received on that product were 92 or 93% positive, super, super impressive. And that evolved, as you know, into the next level initiative, which is the Shiba Magic Box, which was this notion that consumers had, that is in the China market, had very special relationships with their, with their cats. And um, they were able to launch a premium cat food product in a container called the Shiba, Shiba Magic Box mm -hmm. that included this gourmet cat food, including matching scarves for the pet and the pet owner, and a box that could become the cat box. And so this included, a, this was built by a, a team for Mars that was very agile, data analytics and marketing folks and so on, that really drove great success. And the time between this product was conceived and when it began to be sold was just over a month. This is agile, super quick, super responsive, data-driven insights that is attached to 
and shaped by the very consumers who are going to buy the product. And I think as we know today, uh, that product was entirely shaped by two or 3,000 specific consumers who provided lots of ideas around what the product could be, where it should go. And it really replaced the whole notion of traditional focus groups, traditional product launches, and it really sped up the entire process. So consumers were actually directly involved in the, in the planning and designing stage of the Shiba Magic Box. All aspects. And this is the notion that China has led the world in, this, in the thinking around socially shaped commerce. And for me, this notion that you can engage specific consumers and then extend and, in fact, get the network effect of those consumers that help shape the product and have them become brand promoters out into their social networks and perhaps source ideas and bring those back to the brand. That whole notion of socially shaped commerce is, I believe, will be a growing part of the value creation for TMIC. I know that in one case, especially with Mondelez, which is the producer of Oreos, they also worked quite closely with TMIC to come up with, a, well, not necessarily a new product, but a new product idea. Tell us a little bit about that case and how that is a good example of how TMIC can help companies to retrofit or spark new ideas in their operational structure. I think that the Mondelez case is is very is very interesting. In their instance, back in 2019, when they engaged with TMIC, I think their goal was very much about understanding what consumers were consuming as an alternative or alongside products that they manufacture like Oreos. And through the TMIC data, they were able to discover quickly that their, the Chinese consumer was also buying dried fruits and nuts and in much more of a snacking fashion. And it was these sort of consumer insights that enabled them to develop a much more of a snackable Oreo cookie, so to speak. And they were also able to make a much more informed decision about what their manufacturing infrastructure would look like what their production infrastructure would look like, and what the expectation might be from e-commerce revenue from products like this, this Oreo product in the China market. This, in turn, led to immediate investment in people and resources and product development. And it, it, it was it just very, very interesting how that evolved. And as they started to sort of scale the idea of a, of a snackable Oreo that could be included with nuts and other dried fruits, they began to really understand that they might have an opportunity in the category, and let's call it trail mix. And so they went on, as you know, to leverage the data of TMIC, leverage the simulation services so they could test alternative packaging and, and, and product configurations and so on, and at the same time begin to receive actual orders and feedback that that ultimately informed the final packaging, the final pricing. And over that three or four month uh, period of time, uh, or that was the time required was three or four months to, to move from this initial idea to the first production rate incredibly fast, again, just as we described in the previous case. 
So the new Oreo met its targeted commercial rates um, and, and at the same time expanded consumption in the category, had a pretty high repeat purchase rate, and you know, really was the foundation of an organizational change that Mondelez then brought to its China structure, which was this much, much more agile product innovation team. Do you think TMIC is something that's only workable for operations in China? Or what do you foresee to be sort of the TMIC 2.0? Can it go beyond China? To step back from this just a second, the, the number one ingredient for this successful relationship is an engaged consumer. So as Alibaba expands its relationships with consumers around the world, for example, through Alipay and through Tmall, and again, the various, the various parts of the Alibaba ecosystem, I believe that those relationships will open up the possibilities for Alibaba and for brands to use a Tmall model to organize that data, to combine that data perhaps with manufacturers' data from particular markets. They have lots of really insightful data that would go well with the consumer data. And it's the it's the pairing of that data that will ultimately create, I think, an incredible global platform. The critical ingredient is when will Alibaba have enough data on the consumers in each geography. And once it does, the analytics and the go-to-market product development strategies, these agile strategies described, I think will follow. We could have all the models and all the points and all the solutions, but it really takes the humans, the leaders especially, of the companies to have that king understanding on how to use this model so they can empower themselves to come up with the right solutions so their success could be sustained. I believe that even the most data analytic driven organizations in the world today would all suggest to you that it still requires human intervention. Humans are still going to be involved in orchestrating, directing, isolating opportunities. The work will be different from what they do today. Automation such as TMIC, automated solutions such as TMIC, will be part of the toolkit for the new executive, the new brand builders of the coming decade. At the end of the day, it is about the humans, the leaders, to have the understanding on how to use these various tools so they can really help their own brands and their own companies to grow. You have provided some valuable insight to the CEOs around the world and the brand builders. So thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for your time. Yes, nice to be with you. Thank you. To learn more about the project on managing the future of work, please visit hbs.edu. To obtain a copy of the case study on TMIC, visit the Harvard Business Review store at hbr.org. Thank you for listening to Alicast.